0: We were walking down the street Halloween at night Rocking plastic masks
1: And L.A. lights We found a rundown house On the darker side of the town Some older kids were gathered They were spinning yarns About a bloodthirsty creature That had snakes for arms He'll show you how you'll die If you said his name out loud They promised us Their whole candy hole we went Try to find the truth of it all Before you knew when we were up the stairs Breaking in a house on a
2: dime. Hello listeners and welcome to Ohio Mysteries You're listening to a clip of All Hollows Steve by Toby Danger This new comedy rock band from Akron, Ohio Is our featured Ohio music artist tonight So hang out with us to the end of the podcast We'll tell you more about them and let you listen to that entire song. But right now, let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new Ohio mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our award-winning journalist who spent 30 years telling these kinds of stories with the Akron Beacon Journal, Paula Schleiss.
0: Hi, everybody. First, I want to preface this episode by saying, please continue looking over your child's Halloween candy. There are a lot of horrible people out there, and of course, there is an inherent risk in accepting candy from a stranger. Now, having said that, I want you to think whether you have ever personally known someone who was harmed by tainted candy given to them by a stranger at Halloween. A razor and an apple, a drug delivered by a syringe through a wrapper, a pin in a candy bar. So, three criteria to meet here. At Halloween, some kind of tainted treat given by a stranger. Have you ever been in a position to know firsthand that this happened to someone? At the University of Delaware, there's a sociology and criminal justice professor named Joel Best who has made it his life's work to try and find such a case. He has chased down allegations of tainted treats going back 60 years, and in interviews he has given over the years, he said he has yet to find a single case of a child coming to harm by Halloween candy handed out by a stranger. As he points out, you can't prove a negative. Maybe it happened, and he just hasn't found it yet. And that doesn't mean somebody didn't try. Police regularly report that people have called them with tainting allegations for years. So maybe we've just become adept at finding bad treats and avoiding injury before it happens. But in terms of being a source of harm to children kind of turns out that corrupted candy is an urban legend. I was intrigued as to why this is. What launched this fear, and why does it persist? If none of us have ever personally known someone this has happened to, why do we think it's happening all the time? Tonight, we're going to explore a couple of national stories that clearly fuel the myth. And then we'll dive into what Ohio has reported over the years. First, the mystery of how it came to be that parents who train their children not to accept candy from strangers and not to stay outside after dark. Then encourage their children to dress up as evil creatures, stroll the neighborhood after sunset, and bang on the doors of unknown people to ask for candy. It's kind of crazy, right? But we've been doing a form of this for a long time. The dressing up part is a good couple of thousand years old. The Celtic people who lived in Ireland, the United Kingdom, and France, celebrated November 1 as their new year, and they believed it was the time of the year when the world of the dead overlapped with the world of the living. So, if you didn't want them to bother you, dress up like one of them. The Irish brought these traditions to this country when they immigrated, and we embraced them. I found plenty of references in Ohio newspapers of the 1800s to people having parties and eating sweet treats. The notion of sending a child to a stranger's house to ask for food might have its roots in a 16th century English tradition. The poor used to go begging on All Souls Day, and eventually families decided to just send their children out to do it. So poor youngsters would knock on the doors of the wealthy, and the homeowners would give them a cake with a cross on top of it, called soul cakes, in exchange for praying for their souls. Still, that's a far cry from our version of beggar's night. The first reference researchers could find to anyone in North America participating in what we know as trick-or-treat was in Canada in 1927 and it took a good 20 years for it to gain any sort of popularity. It wasn't until after World War II that going door-to-door in a costume and asking for candy became a regular American tradition. It seemed a pretty fun and harmless practice until, of course, somebody goes and ruins it for the rest of us. That somebody was Ronald Clark O'Brien also known as the candy man in 1974 in deer park texas this father of two who was a deacon in his baptist church killed his own son with a cyanide laced pixie sticks so here's the first of those two national stories that really can be blamed for fueling our fear of tainted candy and why ronald clark o'brien became known as The Man Who Killed Halloween. Halloween, 1974, was a crisp autumn night, The O'Brien family had dinner with friends. Then the two dads took their kids out for their ritual march through the neighborhood. 30-year-old Ronald Clark O'Brien had with him his two children, 8-year-old Timothy and 5-year-old Elizabeth, and tagging along was another dad and his two children. At one point, the six of them knocked on the door of a dark house. When nobody answered... Everyone ran ahead to the next house. Everyone but O'Brien. O'Brien lagged behind, and when he finally caught up to his group again, he waved five giant pixie sticks, 22-inch straws filled with flavored sugar, and said he got them from a man in the dark house. Two sticks went to O'Brien's own children. Two were given to his friend's children, and the fifth went to another child that O'Brien knew and crossed paths with later that night. Back at home, the O'Brien children were told they could each have a treat before bedtime, and Timothy chose the pixie sticks. But after a gulp, he stopped and complained that it tasted bitter. He was given a sip of Kool-Aid to wash it down. But things escalated very quickly. He began crying in obvious pain and then vomiting. An ambulance was called. Timothy died en route to the hospital less than an hour after consuming the candy. An autopsy found enough cyanide in his body to kill three grown men. Authorities traced the source to the pixie sticks immediately. They could see where the straw tube had been tampered with. O'Brien, exhibiting shock that somebody would do such a thing, told police who else had received the sticks from him, which he'd gotten from the man in the dark house. The other four pixie sticks were retrieved before anyone else came to harm. All four contained cyanide. In one case, they pulled the candy from the hand of a sleeping child who had been trying to open it but drifted off before succeeding. For several days during that post-Halloween season, news outlets around the country carried the story about the little boy who died from poison candy. Then, suspicion fell on the boy's dad. Police learned O'Brien was in debt for $100,000 and that he had taken out 60000 in life insurance on his children. Who insures their minor children? He was also about to be fired from his job for stealing. It was the 22nd job he'd been fired from. Also, the owner of the dark house where O'Brien said he got the candy had an alibi that put him at work Halloween night. O'Brien was arrested, charged, and went to trial. Once jurors learned he had visited a chemical supply store in Houston to inquire about cyanide, it was all over. They found him guilty and sentenced him to death. On March 31st, 1984, the man who killed Halloween was executed by lethal injection. Outside the prison, demonstrators wore masks and chanted, Trick or Treat! The facts of this case faded. This was never a stranger danger situation. It was a tragic case of a father murdering his own child for financial gain. But in time, all people remembered was that a child died eating poisoned candy at Halloween. It cast a shadow over many a carefree childhood. And the idea of it was reinforced Eight years later, this is the second national story that really played into our fears, a tragedy that reminded us human beings are capable of randomly poisoning others for some deranged thrill. In late September of 1982, some twisted mind laced Tylenol capsules with cyanide, then randomly set them around pharmacies in Chicago. Seven people died before the source was figured out. This case is actually the reason for a lot of the packaging you find on today's over-the-counter medicines. Police have a top suspect in that case, but could never find the evidence to charge him. And since this is the 40th anniversary of the Tylenol murders, The Chicago Tribune has done a multi-part story and podcast on it. Go to chicagotribune.com if you're interested in learning more. Now, because these deaths happened just as people were beginning to decorate for Halloween, buy their costumes, and pick up their candy, it made a huge impact on the season. Many cities canceled Beggars' Night rather than risk the chance of a copycat killer. But was this fear warranted? That University of Delaware sociologist, who has looked into allegations of candy tampering from the past 60 years, said every thread he followed from a dead or injured child led to one of the following. An adult trying to get money. A child trying to get attention a family covering up because their child ingested illegal drugs, or the child was proven to have a medical condition and the timing of Halloween was a mere coincidence.
2: Do not go any further. Turn around, go home.
0: So, we've spent our time so far setting the national scene on this story. Let's narrow our focus to just Ohio. don't have access to every newspaper in the state, so be aware. My research is limited. I'm just going to share what I found. The oldest case I could find of someone alleging Candy had been poisoned was in 1967. It was a story in the Port Clinton Herald and Republican. That's in Ottawa County in Northwest Ohio and police said they had been called by folks at a Halloween party who feared drugged candy had been given out during trick-or-treat. Someone else called the radio station to share that same allegation, and panic ensued. But police checked with all the hospitals that night and the schools the next day and couldn't find a single report of anyone becoming ill. They deemed the call a hoax. While I didn't find any specific reports of bad candy over the next three years, families were clearly on their guard. And allegations started popping up again in 1970. That year, law enforcement agencies asked newspapers to print warnings to parents to look over their children's candy bags before letting them eat anything and to make sure all candy was in its original factory-sealed wrapping. The Associated Press piece said apples had been found containing double-aged razors and included a sentence about two boys from Coshocton, Ohio, who said it happened to them. I could not find an original story about that specific case, but I did find a story in the Marion Star saying police in Marion, Ohio took six reports of bad apples that contained razor blades, a nail, or a match, of all things. No one was injured. It wasn't until 1972 that I found a second allegation of bad candy hurting a trick-or-treater. The Cincinnati Inquirer reported a 20-month-old boy named Paul Black from the suburb of Hillsboro in Highland County was admitted to the hospital in critical condition. It was a close call. There was a point he actually stopped breathing. Hospital authorities told reporters he had eaten poison candy. But a few days later, officials walked it all back, saying the culprit was just a case of infectious diarrhea. Little Paul Black recovered and returned home. So, nobody was hurt by bad candy that year. But maybe it wasn't for lack of trying, because in the story about Little Paul, the Inquirer reported the results of a survey of police departments throughout the Cincinnati area and found nine complaints alleging tainted goodies, from pins and needles found in candy bars to the popular razor in the apple. We have no way of knowing if these cases were hoaxes or authentic, but none caused injury. Keep in mind, we're still talking about before the Texas dad killed his son with that pixie stick. So, real or unfounded, fears are already growing. By 1972, many communities had already discontinued beggars night. In Akron, for instance, it was replaced with a Halloween day party throughout the school district with children given candy purchased by clubs. And all of this was happening without a single confirmed incident in which a child was harmed. As a matter of fact, it was a full decade before I found a second story about a hospitalized child. So, the kid with diarrhea in Cincinnati, that was 1972. In 1982, That's the year of the Tylenol murders in Chicago. That's the year people were very on edge. In Ohio, more communities banned beggars night out of fear of copycat poisonings, and every newspaper carried stories with parents saying they were not going to let their children out that year. That may be why everyone assumed the worst when 13-year-old David McKnight was taken to a hospital in Columbus for, quote, questionable hallucinations after eating a malted milk ball he'd received during his Halloween rounds. His dad feared he'd been given PCP. But a test found no drugs in the boy's system, and the candy was cleared. Whatever was questionable about young David's behavior, it did not come from a tampered treat. In the 40 years since then, there have been hundreds, maybe thousands of calls made to police departments around the state alleging foreign substances in Halloween treats. Though I'm sure it's extremely rare, I'm also sure it happens. Just last year, police in Fostoria, a northwest Ohio city, investigated a report of a sewing needle found in a Halloween candy bar. Local media did stories. Pictures were published. In that case, police said they couldn't narrow down what house or street the bar came from and no other tamperings were reported. But also, just as that Delaware research had learned, some allegations became sinister for another reason. In 2018, Police in Galleon, Ohio, investigated the case of a five-year-old boy who tested positive for meth. His family said he got it from trick-or-treat candy. Later, authorities arrested his father for possession of the drug. A police spokesperson said, While we cannot definitely say how the little boy ingested methamphetamine, we are extremely confident that he did not ingest any candy from trick-or-treat that was tainted. Another case that same year, 2018, involved a 15-year-old boy in the city of Lorraine. His mother told police he ate some trick-or-treat candy. Then his tongue and body went numb, and he acted like a stumbling drunk. Lorraine police later said the candy was sent to a lab for testing, and that whatever the boy was experiencing, it was not the result of tainted candy. Now, after all of that, I do have a case from Ohio that makes me wonder if the Delaware researcher missed a case of legitimate harm. Two years ago, in the Cincinnati suburb of Rain Township, a mom was sorting through her son's sugary treasures after a trip around the neighborhood, when she reportedly cut her finger. She called police and reported a razor blade was hidden inside a candy wrapper. She received two stitches. So, if this is true, it could be evidence of harm caused by Halloween candy from a stranger. Stories about this that police were investigating, I would certainly think it would be easy to confirm stitches, but I couldn't find a follow-up story. Here's something else I couldn't find. A single story about anyone in Ohio ever being arrested for tampering with Halloween candy. Ever. If I'm wrong and you recall such a case, please let me know. And we'll come back in here and update this very episode. So, as I said, keep looking over your kids' candy the reason a child has never been killed or injured by tainted Halloween candy may very well be because we, as a society, have been very diligent. Now, since Halloween is supposed to be a happy holiday, let's end this episode by putting candy back in a good light. Here are some random facts you can impress your friends with at any of the parties you attend this weekend. Halloween is the second largest commercial holiday in America, second only to Christmas. Americans spend an estimated three billion dollars on Halloween candy every year. That's billion with a B. I can't wrap my head around it. Also, Halloween is the top U.S. holiday for chocolate sales. Since chocolate candy bars are the most popular treat to give out, not even the Easter Bunny or Valentine's Cupid can keep up. I'm going to let you take a guess at which is America's most beloved candy at Halloween. What is the one thing we can't wait to find in our trick-or-treat bag? I'm going to give you a moment to think about it. Five, four, three, two, one, time's up. The favorite is Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I actually asked this question of three random people I knew today, and they all got it right. So I guess no mystery there. And what is the least favorite? What nobody wants to find in their bag. I'll give you a hint. It's not a chocolate bar. Now, Here are a few seconds to think about it. Five, four, three, two, one. Time's up. It's candy corn. But get this. We still buy 35 million pounds of the orange, yellow, and white treats every year. And I guess I'm in the minority. I rarely pass a bowl of candy corn without scooping up a few.
2: And that's it for tonight, listeners, for photos, news, clippings, and more. On this and every episode, hop on over to our website, ohiomysteries.com.
0: And that brings us to tonight's featured Ohio musical artist. Toby Danger is a comedy rock band out of Akron, featuring Ryan Collins on guitar and vocals, Josh Eisen on bass and vocals, and Josh Arthurs on drums. Josh Arthurs explained, We were all in other bands when we were younger, And somewhere along the way, got married and started families. Our love for making music never went away, so we took our passion for comedy and rock and roll and combined them to create something unique. We are just some funny rock and roll dads, and our desire is that you come to a show, have a few laughs, and rock out with us. The song we're featuring in this episode is All Hallows Steve, written about the scariest thing known to man, getting older. The lyrics are a hoot so be sure to pay attention now you can find more about the band at tobydanger.com their focus this holiday season is to get a couple of more singles released then they hope to start booking dates in 2023 so maybe we'll hear more of them next year
2: don't forget if you are a musical artist in or from ohio making original music Drop us a line at feedback at Ohio Mysteries.com. We'd love the chance to make our fans your fans. So, have another listen to All Hollow Steve by Toby Danger. We'll see you here next week for another episode of Ohio Mysteries. We're
1: walking down the street Halloween at night, rocking plastic mass and LA lights. We found a rundown house on the darker side of town. They were spinning yarns About a bloodthirsty creature That had snakes for arms He'll show you how you'll die If you said his name out loud They promised us Their whole candy hole Then we went inside And tried to find The truth of it all Before you knew it We were up there Breaking in a house on a double dare But we were not prepared for what we saw His name is All Steve, And he comes on every Halloween Where every cocky little children need a fright And it didn't have snakes for arms But he had a terrifying charm Cause he told us what We stood before him, but we didn't trust our eyes. Trying to decide if we were traumatized. He rocks some cargo shorts and new Balance with high socks. These a kids when you get to be as old as me. Your ears get hairy and it's hard to beat. I that kidney stones that were bigger than an ox. But you don't go out nearly as much as your back. You're eating mostly vegetables, and you just stay this fat. He went on and on for what felt like days. And told a corny joke and didn't see my face. When he was the only one that laughed. His name is Paul Hollow Steel, and he comes on every Halloween. but the door is cracked, I go in and hear a creak. is at the floor Adjust just my knees, I see a little kid and he's tracking mud, so I pop around the corner shouting, hey, hey there bud, smile and I wave, but this brat just points at me, and then he screams, he screams it's all hollow seas, I guess the torch has been passed to me, it's an of hold Tuck my polo shirt into my jeans Cause I know I'm about to make a scene Cause there's nothing scarier than yeah. This is scarier than getting home